Welcome to Leading the Evolution with Tanya Kunze. It's all about how successful people stay successful, no matter what life throws at them, how they balance business, personal and interpersonal, while staying positive and focused. Each episode formulates a story about how champions of industry have adapted, psychologically, physically and emotionally throughout their lives, and specifically to the new normal in 2020. Tanya is a neuroscience coach, author and global keynote speaker. And in each episode, she investigates and digs into the skill set and methodologies her guests have applied successfully to be agile in business, medicine and entrepreneurialism for you to practically adopt to your life. Welcome back to Leading the Evolution. I'm Tanya Kunza. In our last episode with Dr. Shane Dorfman, seven-time KWF World Karate Champion and practicing radiologist, we discussed a myriad of psychologically captivating threads pertaining to the pertinence of agility in business, medicine, and professional sport. Today, I have a very exciting guest in studio with me, Mr. Mark Angus Barnes. Welcome to Leading the Evolution. It's great to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Mark is the former CEO of the SA Post Office and has chaired and headed up numerous financial services businesses, among many others. His skill set leans heavily into turning businesses around, and that is your expertise I want to plug into today, Mark. But before we go into the nitty-gritty, tell us a bit about yourself. Well, I'm still getting used to the city. You know, I was brought up in a small place in Mpumalanga. In fact, two weekends ago, I went to my Dahlstrom farm and yes. walked around in that freezing sub-zero peaceful temperature. And that's where I feel cool. That and I've got a house in Kormiki on the beach and I prefer to wander around with a kukoi on than wear a tie. Oh, that sounds amazing. And so, yeah, I'm a pretty ordinary guy who uh, who got brought up in the, in the Khramadulas and uh, came to the big city and um, I studied actuarial science because it sounded quite impressive to me and for no other really good reason <laughs> and uh, at UCT and um, and then I went into the actuarial world of Alexander Forbes uh, but I really started my life in Standard Merchant Bank as a corporate finance guy. Uh, I loved it. The actuarial world looks ba backwards, the corporate finance world looks forward and I found a place there where I worked. You know, um, I used to unravel things and solve uh, you know, corporate problems, and uh, I got to understand capital, and I ended up heading the treasury division and, and all of that stuff. And then after that, I went to, you know, I went in, I was CEO of Capital Alliance, which uh, which was a mixture of banking and insurance, and um, I was one of the founding members of Breit, which was a private equity organization. And so I've had a fabulous time in the formal markets. We built a thing called Purple Group, which has now got Easy Equities, which is becoming a real game changer in how ordinary people buy shares in the stock mm. market and uh, now uh, you know then there was the post office man that was a proper thing here i mean i went there to teach and i learned you so know. what did you learn what was your big take out from that you know i just learned to listen a bit more than i ever have and i learned that people on the ground know more than people in the office and i learned that uh you know getting people turned on is a very easy thing if you if you let them show you where their switch is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so uh, we took people who, when I when I arrived at the post office, uh, failure was a refuge. Failure was a place you went to hide and be safe. Okay. You know, and every risk matrix was crimson and everything was bad and horrible. And, uh, and people flocked together in failure. And we had to 
literally drag them out of that box and say, you can put your hand up and you can say something and matters and we'll listen to you and we don't care if you make mistakes. Okay, And so that's what I, I went to the post office, not to fix a post office, but to use that organism, that, that fundamentally irreplaceable infrastructure, that footprint to start addressing inequality, to use the bank. Uh, to start, uh, you know, and, and to take things which belonged in government capacity away from the private sector back in, like the payment of social grants. And I spent a lot of time uh, interacting with people who, when I got there, didn't even have the right to learn, let alone the opportunity to do so. And because we were, I, I found there a downward, uh, you know, overbearing hierarchy, which met somewhere in the middle with an upward delegation ethos you know mm-hmm. and when you and when you when those two things collide in the middle you end up with nothing yep. okay and that's what we ended up with so no one wanted responsibility for everything uh, i remember within the first week i was asked to authorize some plane ticket to bloemfontein and i was like seriously the group ceo does this i oh, know we don't actually some mm-hmm. other guy does this and so we decentralized control uh, we took away all the fences between people and we I can remember a strategy session where we said, unless you start speaking, you leave, you know. And so, um, yeah, so that was an extraordinary experience. It was an extraordinary learning curve with government. Yes. Uh, where I find myself uh, mainly uncomfortable and having to restrain uh, some of the things I thought, but also learning. You know, at one stage I was sitting somewhere and someone said to me, Mark, you, you, you're walking too fast. And I was a bit sarcastic. I was like, well, I can slow down, you know. Uh, but they were right because, you know, the, the essence of that message was unless you take us with you you're going nowhere absolutely okay. you needed to take the people the group yeah. the, the the majority with you yeah and so even today if i walk into you said if you're bored you come walk into a post office with me you'll see what we did there you'll see that we gave people the prospect of economic dignity we gave them uh, people started wearing the post office uniform again which had never done and we fixed the numbers and the, the two go hand in hand uh, you know, you need everyone to feel that they have a purpose and that they have a destination. We never gave increases in the post office for three years when the rest of SOEs got them every year because yeah. we got people to buy in to the possibility of a future. And then I reached a fundamental disagreement with the shareholder and I went home. Okay. okay. And so uh, now um, you'll see we're going to launch a massive debt fund to get money into SMEs. I, I'd be very keen. And no one seems to have got that right. We hope we do. Um, uh, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I want to get, I want to get real money into real people's lives rather than horrible money. You know, I mean, uh, the sort of rates that small companies borrow at credit is a destroyer, not an yeah. enabler. Yeah, and uh, to get credit for them is a complete nightmare. I mean, they need so much to try and prove, and they're not going to get a salary over payslip sometimes for months because they're growing uh, a business, they're putting it all back in. Yeah, well, that, so, that, that's, uh, I mean, banking is so old-fashioned. I think it's going to be disimedi- disintermediated. I don't think banking, as you know, it's going to survive for more I than a decade or so. I want to hear what you think. So. What do you think is going to happen to that? That's fascinating. Well, I think access to capital has become a far more direct line. You know, uh, you've got money, I've got a need, let's talk. Yes. Let's not go through all the margins and processes. And, you know, if someone in Soweto has got a room that they've been renting out for the last four years, I can lend them money. Yeah. Okay, because they've got a bankable income stream. If someone is buying apples in the morning and selling them in the afternoon. I can fund an account that only buys and sells apples and I can technologically oversee it. So I don't need any credit process. I use technology. Okay, I don't need... And the missing element which people in India and China and places like that have got right is trust. Yeah. 
You see, if you don't trust someone, you'll find they're not trustworthy. But if you do, you'll find they are. Oh, I've got okay. you loud and clear. So if you go there and if you go, okay, I, I understand what you're doing. Uh, and, and, and here's, you know, 100,000 rand. They'll go, what? Seriously? And you go, yeah, just do it. Go make, and, go make something with this. And, and, and they'll do it. And, I always, you know, um, and so, you know, I think that's what we've got to do. I think we've got to trust each other a whole bunch more. Um, I think we've got to, uh, you know, get down into people's lives. I've walked because of the post office experience. You know, we were the only people that had infrastructure in Dipslot and Kailiche and all of those places because we own the addresses. Okay, so mm. we had to know we've got a good reference of where you are, and that's an address, and that's a mm. uh, that's a con you know sort of a, a contact to the formal economy. So that was an extraordinary four years of my life, three years, eight months of my life, um, an adventure that I could never have got in in the private sector. Uh, and it and it drew me closer to wanting to be. I went to I went to the post office to address inequality. That was my purpose. Um, that was my, you know, quest, if you will. I still want to do that because if we don't create a middle, the edges will fall off. Hundred okay? percent. And so I want to do that, and I also want to walk on the beach a bit. And someone told me I should write a book or something. I might do that if I get very clever. Um, and you know, I've got lots of children, and I'm staying here forever. It's a beautiful thing. And yeah. that's leaving a legacy, right? Yeah, whatever. I'm not so worried about my legacy as I am about having a life. That's fantastic. And really living that life to the full. So yeah. you, you touch on a few things which really got my attention. And the one from an entrepreneurial perspective. So I work with a tremendous amount of entrepreneurs and large corporates. And the overriding aspect that I found was really fascinating was um, if you had to go to the banks to get the loans to assist you in the COVID process, the funds were not allowed to go to the owners or the directors of the organization. It had to only go to the staff. And that was the one aspect that came, I think it was one of the banks that put that forward. And I looked at that and I thought, well, if the entrepreneur gets taken out of the equation because he can't survive, how's he going to look after his staff? The staff might survive the three months that the salaries might have looked after them, but then it was all over. And the other thing from an entrepreneurial perspective, when you want to grow entrepreneurs, I've created an NQF Level 5 two-year national diploma in sales. It's the first one in South Africa. And you can't leave school and study sales until now. So people need to learn how to sell. One of the main reasons entrepreneurs fail is the inability to sell their product or service. They've got great ideas, amazing passion, often education to back it up. But if, they, if they're using funding to launch that business and they can't sell, they're dead in the water. They'll last as long as their funding does and then they're gone. Yeah, I know turnover is the top line in the income statement. If Absolutely. you don't get that, there's nothing. So when I go into organizations, they call me the fixer. When I go into organizations, I sit with the CEOs or the Exco team and I look at their sales infrastructure first. I want to know which one of the 48 different sales profiles they have, what's missing, who we need to bring in. Are we top heavy? Do we only have closers and hunters or do we have people that do the admin? I create a solid environment there. I get their sales team up and running because then we're generating income. From there, I work on the infrastructure from a strategy perspective, making sure that we're Am going I in the right interviewing direction. you or are you interviewing <laughs> No, I'm sharing all of this information with you. But these are things that are important because you've raised this aspect of entrepreneurialism. And these are things people don't think about with entrepreneurialism. It's critically important to do these, these things. So you raise that as, a, as an enablement. And I think if we can get that middle ground going, I don't know, you know, I don't know what the right adjectives are, but I mean, what we need in this country is common purpose. Yes. The last time we had common purpose was the Soccer World Cup when yes. we built fabulous stadiums and we all sang together and we all did stuff and it worked and we hosted the best World Cup in the world. Uh, we don't have that anymore. We have divided purpose. We are 
Uh, we're falling to pieces because of it. And so we need to find something that we all believe in. We need to invest in real things rather than harvest. And all of that stuff uh, is a state of mind before it is a, a flow of cash. 100%. Okay. And so, uh, you know, we need to realize that if we don't hold hands, we'll fall apart, all of us, mm -hmm. uh, with no exceptions. And so there's this extraordinary um, gap between uh, those that have an inferiority complex and those that have a superiority complex. 100%. Okay. And if you get those two people across the table, the void between them is just too big to cross. Okay? Yep. And so so someone has to, uh, you know, reach into that middle ground and go, come, it's safe in here. Yep. You know, we can be ourselves in here. We can talk in here. We can learn in here. And then people discover. You know, I'll never forget, I walked into a post office in Maitland once and the depot manager, and I said to him, and this was in 2017, and there'd been a strike in 2014 or something. And I said to him, what's your biggest challenge, you know? And he said, uh, CEO, they don't call you by a name in the post office. He said, CEO, uh, the trucks are too big. Now, if he'd been a Harvard Business School graduate, he would have said, uh, we've got a logistics optimization scheduling problem. But he said, <laughs> the, trucks but he said the trucks are too big. And I said, well, you know, how long have the trucks been too big? And he said, about three years. And what he was really saying is that we lost 30% of turnover, but we didn't downsize our trucks. So we were running around with expensive, half-full trucks. Okay, so I said to him, you know, how long has this been happening? He said, oh, about three years, which took me back to the strike. And I said, why haven't you done something about it? And he said, that's transport. Okay, so that was so when we tore. the failure. Yeah, no, that's when we tore down the first line between operations and transport. And then we right. tore down all of the walls between everybody. Yep. And, when, and I found, and I still find, that if you ask people and you give them enough confidence that they can make mistakes and they can say things and they can exercise judgment that's valuable yes okay. uh, and so uh, when you do that in a in a group of people you start discovering truth yes okay and truth is at the center of all discovery okay it is the it is the fundamental baseline uh, uh you know for example when we got involved in the social grants the way we persuaded people to do that was we referred to the truth and we, we showed the economics and we showed the, you know, the footprint and all of those things in, uh, uh, in the post office. And, uh, and it was irrefutable. Okay? And if you've, if you've got truth on your side, the rest is, uh, uh, is far less dif difficult to explain. Yes. And so you know, those are some of the fundamentals for me. Truth, enablement, um, and, and being very ordinary. I think there's an, uh, ordinariness is underrated. Um, and and allowing people to feel comfortable in your space uh, releases them and grows them, and so that's what we've done. And then, and so I, I actually, in, really enjoyed walking around. I walked. I went into every branch. I went into every mail center, and the more I listened to people, the more I learned. And yeah. and then with that, I could take that out of their world into my world, and turn it around into something to teach. Okay. Absolutely. And what you're leaning into there very nicely is emotional intelligence. So EQ, which I think is one of the most prominent requirements now in a corporate space, which actually leads me to a question I wanted to ask you. When you are looking at employing someone or you're looking at building a team and you're putting your group together, what are the top three most pertinent attributes that that person has that you would say, you're my person? An understanding of who they are. Yep. And a pride in that. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, um, obviously they've got to be technically competent, but that's a baseline. But you can uh, teach that, yeah. Yeah, or, or, or they've got it already. 
you know, I just someone, I don't know, you've got to come to a point where you can see that you'll intersect with them and that you will add to each other's lives. I mean, I talked to this, when I talked to my, my daughters about marriage and stuff like that, I go like, well, you've got to find someone who makes your life bigger, not smaller. Absolutely. Okay, you've got to find someone who will stand in awe of you, not to try and prescribe to you about, and not to make you smaller. I mean, mm. so, so often in life, we come across this fabulous, huge oak tree that we fall in love with, and then yes. we start clipping the, real, the, yes. the leaves off, and yes. we end up with a stump, and we wonder why we're not happy. Yes. So, someone who naturally takes to the job at hand uh, uh, is is important, and then you know, someone who's who who feels not overtly ambitious, but keen and eager. I, d I don't know what the you see it in someone. Um, so the, the top factor. Yeah, I, I'm not. I don't, I don't even know what that stuff is, but but. Uh, people who in their face are open and interesting and interested mm. okay and 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 people who say what they who who i am able to liberate okay and who liberate me so that the conversation moves away from their cvs and their and their and their lists uh, and mine towards how they feel and what they think about things and and whether they have human empathy is yeah. a very important thing to me yeah. okay so you you must have human empathy. You must have a you must you must have a you must have a feeling about uh, you know I don't I build I don't I don't harvest. Nice. That's that's what I do. So I can remember walking around with two private equity guys once, and you know um, if if we if we saw a bull and a cow in a field, I'd see a herd. They'd see meat. Okay, <laughs> and 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 so I like people who see herds. Right. And uh, yeah, I don't know how to describe it. It's not. I don't have a prescription for it. Otherwise, they could fill in a form and, and no, get the job sure, online. You know? Sure. I just think, like you say, it's it's that it's that uh, that I can attitude. And the interesting thing you spoke about earlier, when you're talking about the two different sectors, the chasm in between the two is the word fear, and media largely sells fear because it's controlling. Because anything that is based on fear is is you can then control masses of people with that. And enabling people does put somebody on a back foot if they haven't got the capability or capacity to control. With And controlling and leading are two very different things. So you get managers and you get leaders. Yeah, I think controlling is, is restrictive. Completely you know, restrictive. If, if it is that I find that I want to control you, then you're the wrong person. I, I want to enable you and listen. And you know, yeah. A lot of people control because they're afraid that their position might get taken away if they take somebody and make them larger than themselves. And that's, it's a big thing in corporate. I've seen it many times where you've got, it's called the managers versus leaders, and you've got managers, and I'm not talking about the title, I'm talking about the behavior. And a manager will, will tend to clip wings to feel needed it's a little bit narcissistic. It's a little bit in need of validation and, and to feel needed by the other party. So they'll enable that person to a point so that they can still be supreme and have control. Where if you've got a leader that just goes, you know, Richard Branson, for example, where he goes, I want the best people around me. I know I can't do that, but I've got the brain that can create now come fill in, come, come paint my numbers for me. Yeah, I tweeted that the other day. Oh, did you? I, I mean, you know, leaders uh, aren't looking for followers; they're looking for leaders. Yes. And that's the that's the, that's the difference. And yeah. uh, you know, I mean, you should celebrate the differences around you yes. rather than seek to tame them. Hundred okay? percent. And so, if you find yourself surrounded by people who are different from you, you have a sum of the parts. Okay. Mm. And if you don't. 
then you just have you. Mm. Okay, if you if you're the most dominant force in the room, then that's just you. You may as well talk to yourself, which I sometimes do. I need to say to you, I get an intelligent conversation. Because <laughs> you don't sometimes. answer yourself. Yeah, okay. I do sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so we're all flawed a little bit by this need and stuff for recognition and wanting and blah, sure. all that stuff. But 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 it won't get you anywhere beyond where you are when you started. Yeah, okay. because you can't get yourself any further with the same yeah. IP that you yeah. have. You start off with, with IP. You can't expand your IP if you're trying to dominate and and keep other people down around you yeah the hardest part is 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 um, understanding the validity of difference okay yeah. someone who's not you mm. and who's valuable you know and so and 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 allowing them to feel comfortable in that space and you letting it happen and yeah i it it is it's confidence it's it's and more than personal confidence it's common purpose i still I fundamentally if we all know that if you take sport everyone knows that the purpose of the game is to score a try or a goal, and they fundamentally changed the, the behavior in soccer when they started giving bonuses to the assist, not just the scorer. Right. And so they find that people passed the ball a whole lot more and scored a whole bunch more goals. And there so you, you go. can find and you can distill out the essence of what drives behavior, and you can mm -hmm. instill in, in that in your team, and you will find that at some point they want to pass the ball. Mm. Whereas previously they just wanted to score the try. Absolutely, for that it's a sense of ego versus a sense yeah. of self worth. Yeah, yeah, we've all got some of that, you know. I think it's a, it's good to have balance. So I prescribe very heavily to two things: individuality and balance. Those are the two aspects. And when I go into organisations and I assess my my group, I look for each person's unique. So my motto in life is I'm above and beneath no one, but I'm unique, and I own that space because we all have a unique that's special. And that's not ego, that's actually self-worth because it's saying I've worked hard with something, I've got a, um, you know, an entrepreneurial brain or I've got an actuarial brain, whatever your magic is. And then you find people around you who have their unique and I look for the, for the uniqueness of each individual in the team and then I start plugging them together like a puzzle and I go, right, you belong there and you belong there. And often I've moved people from a place where they just got the job because they needed to get in and I put them where they're going to shine. The company changes. The bottom line goes up exponentially. And with listed companies, we can track it. Mm. You know, so with, with a company like CarTrack, for example, they're phenomenal. They're listed. I don't know if you've ever looked at their listing. But um, on the all share, they were up something crazy. Like, I think it was 84%. And against the, I think, 5 or 6%, which was, the, which was the norm, flying. Because what we did is we went in there and we identified unique individuals. I worked with the entire management team and, and turned them around. And it sounds very similar to what you're doing with people. So empowerment and development of individuals and their unique, I think, is a, is a critical aspect. Yeah. And, and people just got to, it's just got to happen. It hasn't got to be on purpose. You know, I mean, people have just, you, you, you've got to see, you've got to let people be and then lead and endorse and encourage. So you observe first. Well, I, you know, I just, <clears throat> I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate in that most people think I'm cleverer than I am, so they listen to me. <laughs> okay. um, and so, uh, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm, <clears throat> I'm easy to get on with because I'm really, I'm a, you know, I'm an urchin. You know, I come from really nowhere, and and so I'm very comfortable at the bottom. Okay. Okay. So you don't and, compete for space. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm just, I, you know, I'm very. I can remember, you know, us uh, sitting in the tiny male basement, and we were talking about something, and 
and and someone started sort of humming and we all ended up standing up dancing and, and uh, this is the group CEO Noch Al, you know <laughs> and and I love that I'm a very ordinary person I you know um, with with lots of ambition and lots of flaws and scars and shit but uh, I I can persuade I think people mm. only because I really believe what I'm trying to persuade them to do mm. and and the the cause in our country in particular, the cause must both be economic and virtuous. Mm. Okay, you can't uh, do one without no, the other in a sustainable way. I completely agree with that. I think we need to, you know, if we look at if we look at the the dynamic that, that goes on, and I lean again into fear, because a lot of our people have been brought, brought up in a fear space. And what happens is in the brain, you obviously work in, in the amygdala region, which is your fear-based fight, flight, or freeze. And when you're in that space, you get inattentional blindness and it prevents you from actually seeing opportunities. So it's actually a physiological reaction you have to your environment, which a lot of people have. And when we're developing people, we actually have to take them out of that fear. And what, that's what you're doing. You're enabling them. So removing that fear space, getting into a space of feeling comfortable with themselves takes them into the neocortex and the prefrontal cortex. So immediately their physiology starts producing different hormones and they start being able to see the environment in front of them and they were incapable of seeing before mm. so there's never should never be a finger pointing it's it's let's call it legacy of the past that they had where there was a fear instilled and that was where they were operating from and my philosophy in life is very much it's not what you think it's where in your brain you think it because if you're thinking a thought in your fear-based center you're going to be stuck and if you're thinking it in your consciousness center you're going to be liberated so i think the the process in south africa needs to be take people into a conscious mindset where they actually are able to operate more optimally, then lead them. And then economics will be the outcome. Do it. Yeah, that's my plan. I am. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's wonderful to just grow and develop and develop people. We were talking a little bit about what came up for me, the art of war, Lao Tzu. And when you were talking about going into an organization and having the disparity of knowledge from one aspect to another and assuming coming in as a label you know ceo or owner or whatever the case might be coming in new broom sweeps clean but not taking into consideration your environment how have you managed to walk into a place like the post office as a big figurehead knowing what you do and then becoming part of the people what strategies did you put in place well i can remember I arrived there to this huge strategic turnaround plan, which I didn't believe people had put together. Someone else had done it for them. Mm. And I, uh, I, I sat yeah. in the room and I started asking them. And eventually I said, guys, we, you don't know this, do you? You didn't do this. Yeah. It's not yours. Mm. Let's start again. Mm. Okay. And for the first weeks and even months maybe in the post office, I spent time t teaching. I love it. I had a blackboard, a, a whiteboard, and I said, okay, you know, um, and uh, we changed a lot of things. We, you know, like for example, the you know the the procurement process is based on highest or lowest bid, depending on you buying or selling. I said, well, what's fair market value? Do you mm. understand what we're trying to do? And they were like, what's this fair market? And, and we and we and we de-worded everything until people started asking questions and and felt confident that they could make mistakes. And so, I think people worked out that they would do better telling the truth than pretending they know. Okay. Love it. And so when they got to that point, then we started building something together. We took a 380-page document and we rewrote it into 40 pages, but we owned it. Yes. Okay. 
And so once they owned it, and once, you know, I can remember sitting arguing with, with the unions about uh, a price increase. You know, yes. And I was like, okay, guys, yeah, it's kind of simple, you know. Uh, we've got 12 people and eight and, and, and eight apples. You know? yeah. We can either share the apples or we can get rid of four people. Yeah. I think we should share the apples. But if you want to call the people and tell them you're going to get rid of them, let's do that. And you want a 10% increase. So now we've got seven apples. Okay. Yes. And so, you know, we, we were able to strike a middle ground where, uh, where we first of all understood each other and then we never lied to each other. Yeah. Okay, yeah. we never promised... I mean, we weren't big deals. Uh, I'm not a big deal. Mm. Okay, and so uh, and so we just sat there and we said, guys, the problem is ours, not yours. Okay, and so you know, without you, I go nowhere, and without me, we're not heading in the direction we should. And so, why don't we just get together on this thing? You know, and so we were. A I was able to, I think, break some hierarchical seals. I've got very little regard for hierarchy. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, even. Uh, yeah, I've got very, I've just got very little regard for hierarchy because it 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 contains it it uh, it suppresses yep. it uh, it does all of those things which have got nothing to do with growth and expansion and and spears and stuff like that and so um, you know and I think people find that out about me quite quickly nice and when they and 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 then they'll they'll sort of tiptoe into a discussion until they find that I yank them in. Yes. Once they've started. And I go, what did you say? And they, first of all, they go, well, see, I was just, I said, what? Tell me what you said. Because yes. I think it's clever. Yes. Okay. And then they would go, oh, really? And they'd sort of, you know, <laughs> and then they'd start talking. And then, or else I'd say, tell me what, are you mad? Okay. And, and so I often got sort of taken to task by the formal environment that I was in. But people saying, you know, they come to me after me and say, Mark, you, you, the group CEO, you can't talk to me. I said, of course I can. Yeah. But who's yeah. law, can't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, sit in, you sit in this extraordinarily hierarchical system, which is, which is governments all over the world. Mm. And that's not what's going to deal with our problems, actually. What's going to deal with our problems is if we extract from one another common cause and we, and we go like, you've got this bit of stuff and I've got that bit of stuff. And, I'm a fast runner, so I'm the wing. You're a big, strong guy. You're the proper. Yes. Unless we start knowing that about each other, we're never going to score a try, man. Absolutely. You know, so, Absolutely. Uh, and, yeah, and, and also, you know, I enjoy my life. And people also start getting that a bit. And, uh, and I, I, I celebrate uh, the fact that people can also enjoy that. Most people, before you illuminate their lives are walking around in some confined definition yes. of miserable limitations. I call it the okay. hamster wheel. It's just they get into this hamster wheel, they get stuck in there yeah. and they just keep going. Yeah. They just don't believe. You yeah. know, and then and then as you say, you you know, so often I've said, What did you say? And they would go, oh, they think they've done something wrong. wrong. Yeah. Okay. And so and so you 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 it's like you know it's like unplugging a you know a dike you know you pull out this plug and this gushing of extraordinariness starts becoming apparent and Absolutely. then if you celebrate that i mean i can remember breaking so many rules about promotions and hierarchy and stuff and you know i remember there was one particular i won't go into the names and play, but there was one particular part of the organization that i only got the truth from the fourth highest person in the hierarchy amazing and i made her the md in an hour okay and everyone was like, you can't do that. I said, yeah, I promise yes, I you can. I can. 
know, <laughs> last I looked, my, when I last I looked, I was the boss here. Okay, and so, yeah. and then there were a whole bunch of other people that were fourth or fifth or seventeenth in the hierarchy that should have been at the top of yeah. it. And so you do that a bit, and then, uh, and then you know, hey, you've got to have a bit of luck, and you've got Absolutely. to have the water flowing in the right direction, and yeah. and then you know, and you've got to you've got to believe the stuff, you know. I don't know. And I'm not that dramatic about it. Yeah, but I think you've got to look at somebody's, as you say, their skill set. You know, I'm a, I'm a very big picture thinker. Oh. And I see opportunities way before people see them. I started the Biggest Loser Awards before it was a TV show. I started Corporate Wellness with RMB. We did a proof of concept for it back in 96. I see things. I don't think I was I born then. <laughs> no, you, I don't think you could have been born by then. No, <laughs> yeah. I was. And, um, you know, I looked at, at all these dynamics and I just, I see things. Now, if you put... If you clip my wings, I'm useless because I'll just yeah. then be a, a you know pencil pusher. But let me use my brain to see the bigger picture. I can also implement, but then I also might be wasted implementing. Mm. So having that that entrepreneurial brain, I would want a think tank like that. It doesn't matter what your position is in the company. If you've got that kind of way of thinking, it doesn't matter where you are. Bring them into a room, and I've often done that in corporate when I've brought groups of people in and I've, I've extrapolated information from them just in a think tank mm. no management in that particular environment initially i want to hear what you got to say and they did a very interesting study you'll actually enjoy this they they had a hundred desks the build it's types assemble it and they sent uh, people bought them they sent 50 of them assembled and they sent 50 of them unassembled and then they went back to those hundred people and they tried to buy the desk back the people who received the built desk Sold it readily. Sold readily, if not gave it away. The ones who built it, which leans heavily into your strategy, they didn't want to part with it or they they charged more because they'd mm. invested. Mm. And often what I do is when I go into organizations... And then there were people like me who couldn't build it. Then. <laughs> you paid someone to build yeah. it. <laughs> but then you'd invested more, so you wanted yeah. more back, right? Yeah. So what happens there is, you know, I went, I've been into organizations where I start off and I go, okay, what's your, what's your corporate value system? And if someone looks at the wall and tries to read it, or they can't tell me, then we go back to basics. And I've often derailed a process and I've gone, I'm not going to the next level because if my people around this table don't know what they stand for in this organization and someone else wrote the values, mm. what are we doing here? Yeah, I mean, it starts off, I mean, the fundamental purpose of life is to be okay with who you are. 100%. Okay, and so I know that I can catch fish and I can serve them up for dinner, but I don't, I'm not good in the kitchen. Okay, so someone someone else must clean them. Someone else must do all that shit because it's not what I do. It's not that I think it's below me. It's just that there are people that are turned on it by it. Okay, yes. I'm not. And yes. so there are people who thrive on it. There are people who wash dishes better than I do. I can wash dishes and I can iron. Yes. But but I don't. So if, if, if you come to peace with who you are, mm. well, that's the purpose of life, man. Absolutely. You know, you remind me of a story. I've, I've got the most phenomenal woman who works for me. Her name's Dorcas. And she is, I love her with all my soul. She's my sister. She's, we, we're a few days apart from a birth perspective and year. And in COVID, obviously, I was cleaning my house for three months mm. and, and doing all the stuff that she does. And she will come in and she'll tell you, I'm a professional mm. and I'm really good at my job. And she's so right. Sure. I can't. Even try, I tried. I really tried my best to clean. I wanted to surprise her when she came home that the house looked magnificent. And she goes, oh, my God, you're so bad at this. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it's phenomenal. She is, she is far superior 
to me in that position than I could ever be, no matter how hard I tried. Yeah. So everyone's got their space, you know, and and so many people aren't allowed to be it. I, you know, I, that annoys me actually. And yeah. so I have, I mean, I've been chairman of, as you said, lots of companies, and I've, and 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 you come across leaders who suppress and contain, and you must get rid of them. Mm. Because mm. you've got to liberate, you know, now the trouble is when you get rid of a hierarchical structured place, you have to gather them all once yes. they've been on the playground for too long uh, and get them to, you know, start working again. But, um, yeah, I mean, it it comes from feeling okay about your own mistakes, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm not scared of mistakes, you know, um, and I've made many. Uh, and so when you're okay with your mistakes, it gives you a bigger sense of adventure 100% and if you've got a bigger sense of adventure you might just discover something that's amazing well I'm going to have to close us off on this wonderful note I'd like you to just leave one last pearl of wisdom for our listeners to take away with them and then we're going to close off I don't know find in other people what wakes them up and give them an abundance of it that. I love that. What a lovely closing statement. Thank you so much, Mark. It's been an absolute pleasure having you it's with me today. It's been fun. Thank you. You can follow Mark Barnes on Twitter, and the handle is Mark underscore Barnes 56. And a very special thank you for you to take time out of your incredibly busy life and to come and be with me here in studio today. I very much appreciate it. Thank it was you. cool. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.